I think one of the downfalls of YouTube is when you're sitting there trying to come up with the questions yourself and trying to script it and trying to come it all out and it's just you face to camera. It's you miss that opportunity for that engagement and conversation, which often can unveil really good points that maybe wouldn't get discussed otherwise, where podcasting wins that battle because someone's going to ask the question or the deeper topic. This is Superfast Business with James Schramko. James helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 838. Today, we are going to have a showdown between YouTube versus podcast. And for that, I've brought along my special guest on this topic, somewhat of a connoisseur of these mediums, Charlie Valor. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, James. This would have to be one of my most common questions I get is podcast versus YouTube. It's a huge topic out there. Why do you get these questions? I'll tell you why. Because you have a company called ValorMedia.com and you specialize in taking expert, author, agencies, that sort of professional companies, taking their message and editing, cutting up, putting it out there on these platforms, driving them with paid traffic in some cases, like full-on agency support slash leverage slash amplification for people who are too busy to be doing their own editing, which is everybody should be, or don't have an in-house team. And the fact is, if you have an in-house team, they'd have to be very sharp to be even close to competitive with you guys. So you've got this stable of clients. Just give us a little bit of landscape on what the distribution looks like at the moment for you with your podcasting and your YouTubing portfolio mix. And tell us about with the podcast, I'm also curious, you know, whether that's audio or video, because we probably should make that distinction. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. So I'll go way back. As you mentioned at the start of this, I'm a, what you would call a podcast connoisseur. I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's something I've done for a very long time. And you would almost say obsessed. I love a good podcast. I'm being courteous because I would have initially said geek or nerd and you corrected me once and said connoisseur. So I've applied that label (laughs) for you as a courtesy. We'll go with the courtesy then. (laughs) But originally getting into it and I suppose starting this business, I think we always want to scratch our own itch. So my initial thoughts around podcasting was that we'll be doing audio, like audio is the way to do it. And after recognizing how the world had changed in the last 18 months, we realized probably about then that video was just astronomically taking off. So when I look at just the podcasting clients of Valamedia right now, we went from maybe 50, maybe even 60, 40 in favor of audio, doing a lot of audio shows and a little bit of video, to today, 90% of the podcasts we manage do video. There's only a very few select clients that do audio only. And in all honesty, the reason they stick to audio only is because they have other videos they're doing elsewhere or maybe a YouTube strategy. It's very rare we come across someone who's new to this or even a little bit deep and they're like, well, I only want to do an audio podcast. I'm not interested in any video elements anymore. And it makes a lot of sense. If you're going to go to all the effort of recording a podcast, why not just turn the camera on? You can really do more with it and it offers phenomenally more leverage. In the last, I'd say probably eight to 10 months now though, we've been really diving into YouTube as well. Because I look at this much like the uh, old El Paso, where they've got the uh, little girl with the soft taco, hard turco, and she says, why not both? Why can't these work together? Why does there have to be alienation towards one of these? And I'm finding that to be really true. It turns out a lot of people who watch YouTube videos also like watching or listening to podcasts and back and forth. Like it doesn't have to be diverse and you don't have to sit in a camp. You can do both if you have the resources or ability to. I'm one of those converts from audio to video podcasts. Where possible, I'll capture the video, which is 90% of the time now. 
Some of the ones I don't are actually when I do a monologue, which is I found it actually harder to have a stream of consciousness where I'm just talking to a camera and not interacting with someone. And especially if you want to read notes, I'm conscious I don't really want to have what looks like a teleprompter track on my eyes. I tend to switch the camera off and use prepared notes to make it a better podcast. But would you say that if someone's considering a podcast now and they only want to do audio, don't bother? Almost. Right. Okay. Interesting. I'll specify why. That's a very bold way to put it. What we find commonly, and this is not through a lack of trying, is that for people that are new to podcasting and haven't got established brands or email lists or social presence already, it is incredibly hard to break into just a standalone successful podcast. So without a way of driving traffic to the podcast, and audio is a very hard medium to advert or run ads to because it just doesn't lend itself well to social media and other things, is that it's incredibly hard to get these shows off the ground. Now, these are the exceptions. And I mentioned this earlier about we do have some clients that are an exception. Let's pretend, you know, you're Oprah and you decide you want to do an audio only podcast and you've just got this brand where you can just hammer traffic to a podcast. Well, she could likely do that strategy. And a lot of people that have big email lists or huge social presence already can do audio only, but that doesn't seem to be the norm or even what I would recommend in that situation anyway. Okay. So the big factor is, do I have an audience or not already? Yes. In which case, if you've already got an audience, you can get away with a lot of things that you can't if you don't. Because obviously one of the huge benefits of having the video is you can cut it up into little pieces and stick them out there. And you said something very interesting, which is that you can run ads to them. We do put images and stock film and pictures of me to some of my audios that I extract from audio only ask me anythings. However, I've taken to recording the video of that too. And I have found the video of me with the audio does perform better than the audio of me with images or royalty stock. As you would probably hypothesize, it did pan out to be true. It's very hard to run an ad to an audio that doesn't have you in it as a video. So the sort we'd get the groundwork there. But the real question I'm curious about, and it will define this podcast episode, is when you say YouTube versus podcast, what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a really good question. When I look at what a YouTube channel is today or the way I think about it, I really think of like constructed videos that are normally face to camera that are normally covering a topic at about 10 minutes long. Now, there will be variants in that hugely, but in most of what you'll find if you're searching for things right now, if you're going to search for a tutorial or you're going to search for thoughts on a topic, that generally is what they end to make. So face to camera stuff, not normally an interview or with a guest, maybe on occasion, but that's a rarity. But the predominance is that type of video style. Okay, now there's a question that comes up for me a lot in coaching. I know the type of video you're talking about because I have watched YouTube videos. It's usually someone talking to the camera and then there's a lot of quick edits. It's like they're taking sound bites or different scene changes or flicking cameras or they're telling a story with the camera. One of my favorite clients that I ever worked with who just slays on YouTube is Scott's Bass Guitars. And he teaches people bass guitar. He's got an amazing channel. But he puts a lot of work into telling the story and filming it in a certain way. The question I get is, can you take that video and publish it as a podcast or does it just not translate? So is it an either or, or is it do both? And the reverse of the question is, can we take a podcast and just put it on YouTube? And I will say to that effect, we do take these podcasts. This is episode 838, for example. You will find it on my website at superfastbusiness.com. You will find it in Apple. You'll find it at Stitcher. 
You'll find it on SoundCloud, but you'll also find it on our Superfast Business page on Facebook, and you will find it on the Superfast Business YouTube channel uploaded natively in its entirety. And the reason we do that, Charlie, is because you told me to years ago. You said you're getting a lot of views on the videos uploaded natively. Now, I used to be a bit against this because of my own The Race Course Foundation. I was concerned that if I'm surrendering my whole piece of content natively, they're not going to go anywhere from there and they're going to stay there and I'm not getting the benefit. However, over time, I think it's just become so powerful. And Ezra Firestone really did a lot of development on this in the early days with his marketing, is putting that stuff natively, giving up a bit of the control, but they still end up coming back to superfastbusiness.com, which is really what I want them to do. But I am still reaching and building presence. So one thing I noticed, Charlie, is that my podcast stats, my metrics, which I usually track from Blueberry, they went down. They've come down a bit from the old days. You know, I used to get 65,000, 75,000 downloads a month. And it's dropped down a bit. It might be 35,000 or 45,000, but I know I'm getting views on the other platforms. So back to my original question with all of that context, can I take my YouTube content and make it a podcast? Can I take my podcast content and put it on YouTube and expect to get a result? I'm endlessly fascinated by this topic. And I will say that I really attempt to remove all bias from this. I really like setting up tests and see what happens across multiple clients. And then I feel what I'm doing here is more reporting what worked and what didn't rather than having an opinion. Because there's things I would like to be true that just aren't. <laughs> you know, I've got some stats and I've got a theory on this, which I'll share with you after you answer the question. <laughs> okay. So my finding is that if you are someone who makes YouTube specific videos, it is unlikely that that will do well as a podcast. Main reasons is that often they use visual cues and visual layovers to get the point across. And it's actually a medium and type of video that you would want to watch. It's not something where if you were to publish it on an audio, context is lost, meaning is lost. It's hard to really understand the points and it's unlikely you'll build a meaningful audience for that where people would get a far better experience on YouTube. Now, the reverse is kind of true, but kind of not. And I want to explain this in detail to really bring point to it. If you're a podcaster and you're recording these podcasts and videos and you're just uploading these full-length interviews onto YouTube, they're not likely to be found in search. They're very, very unlikely to be found for like, I'll just make up a gardening term here. It's like, you know, how to look after your roses, for example which that's just a hint of something I'm uh, working through in the backyard myself. But um, when I think of that as a topic, it's if I've got an interview on this, like it isn't the best video for that search term. So to think that you're going to upload full-length interviews and be found in search is unlikely. However, if you are sending an email and driving people to those videos or alerting people on the channel, or people that already follow your YouTube channel and are engaged in a brand, they will likely find them. And I don't know about you, but what I'm finding people really need to recognize more commonly is that search on YouTube's kind of changed. You'll find that a lot of people are watching videos based on what's in their feed now or suggested videos. It's not just a search platform and that is where they do get picked up. Now, the next part of that, and this is where it does get a little bit more spicy, is if you do have a full interview and there is a segment, again, on trimming roses really well, for example, or looking after your roses, you could cut that out and use that piece of content as a topical video or a specific thing. So this is where I think podcasting has a really big advantage is because the leverage of that, if you're going to make one YouTube video, yes, you have one best for platform YouTube video, but you have missed out on the opportunity to leverage one bigger form of content into several types of content. 
And again, you can still do both, but I just want people to recognize if you're just going to do one, there are advantages with the medium if you're someone who's more suited to podcasting here. Gosh, this is one of those podcasts where I'm mentally taking note and I know I have to speak to my team because here's what I found, Charlie. I don't put in the amount of preparation and effort to make proper, dedicated YouTube content. I had a recent guest, Brian Johnson, on the show talking about his tremendous success with YouTube. We need to make an effort. I need to come up with an intentional effort to have YouTube content. Sometimes I think, what would I even talk about? If you're listening to this or watching this episode anywhere, can you get in touch with me? Send me an email, james at superfastbusiness.com and tell me what would you like me to make videos about on YouTube? Give me some catalysts because I'd love to work with ideas that my audience suggests. So that's step one. Step two is we do load the native episode to YouTube. I think you're right, Charlie. I don't think we get a whole lot of extra views or get found easily, but I do think people who are subscribed to us get pinged and like to consume things on YouTube, and it probably floats up in their recommended viewing list on their TV. I've had several people lately, because we actually run ads on YouTube, tell me they've seen me on their TV. Family members, people I surf with, and customers, they say, I've seen you on TV. And so they're watching their YouTube from their television. I think this is a consumer behavior. And I don't think people are searching so much on TV. I think they're probably working through the thumbnails that show up as recommended views based on what else they're watching. And the chances are if they've been watching my stuff or they're subscribed to my channel, it's probably going to show up there. The other thing that I think is interesting is I do watch other people's full length interviews. There's a guy out there called Lex. He's got some really cool interviews. Uh, there's a few other ones who have done some good interviews and I will watch them on YouTube, but I never listen to podcasts on Apple. I don't even have the app on my phone. So I think that's a place where I'll consume information as a consumer that I'm not going to see if I'm on Apple. I'm not on Apple and I'm not on Stitcher. I'm just not listening to podcasts. So if they publish it on YouTube, there's a chance I'll be able to consume it. And often it's linked to from a Facebook post or a forum post or an email. Someone's referring to a specific interview like, hey, did you see that interview with such and such? Or you might search for that such and such on YouTube and it's pulling up all the interviews down that side of interviews people have got with that person and that's how I'll find them. And then I'll subscribe to their channel and then they'll show up in my sort of to watch feed when they do the next interview. So anyway, that's what happens to me as a consumer. In short, I think if I want to go really well on YouTube, that's going to up my level of effort required instead of just doing the podcast. But I will say this to my team, I'm talking to my team now, we should be taking these podcasts and finding those shorter snippets, not super short, but reasonable chunk snippets the how to grow roses well parts and putting those on our channel in a series or a special category. That's what I'm hearing from you, Charlie. And just a little hit with that hand signal there, which will let itself well to YouTube and not podcasting itself, but five minutes, like five minute clips from the podcast is generally what I find does really well for that type of thing. So we do that quite often. There we go, five minutes. We're learning on the fly. This is an implementation workshop episode while we're on that. So we've really framed this up nicely. We're talking about YouTube versus podcast. Are they the same? Are they different? We've decided they're probably slightly different types of content. They might have a bit of crossover, but not completely. It's most unlikely. This is the criminal offense I hear most often is people think they're going to repurpose whatever videos they have as a podcast. That's just going to be dribble and no one's going to listen to it. That's my contention there. This is episode 838. Okay, so what sort of challenges are we going to have if we want to start doing the YouTube stuff, but not moving too far from the zone of where we're doing? Like you and I, we're on Zoom now. 
you said maybe not so much interview stuff. Am I supposed to get a transcript of this interview, find the key points, and then make a solo video about the things we talked about after this podcast? and then mention my podcast or business, how we make this content? What's the purpose, the method, the challenge? We'll just continue with our live workshop here. So let's pretend in this podcast, for some reason, we found a five-minute snippet that's about roses and looking after your roses. Now, one thing you could do is absolutely just cut that clip, upload it as a standalone video, and go for it. If you wanted to up your game here and make it more YouTube-friendly, I would recommend recording a little intro for it as well. So this would just be a face to camera where you're looking at and going, I just recorded this interview with Charlie. He's unleashed weaponry skills in gardening. Almost unbelievable to see him just nurture these roses at such a high level. You'll learn this from this clip. So make sure you go through it. And then if you want a little bit more help, we've actually got a guide on our website on how to look after your roses. And you can pick that up from a link in the description below. So that's a little layered hint there. But now you can see we've really upped our game with our roses video. I've watched some interesting YouTube videos where, for example, they have a van heist. Someone's trying to rob a van. They have it sort of playing on the screen and they do a blow-by-blow account from an expert perspective. Like this guy's a trained Marine, for example, and he'll talk you through what's actually happening and they stop. So you could interject with the edit. I could say like, Charlie's about to deliver like an absolute motherload of Rose knowledge here. Here we go. And then we play the clip and then we can do a pause and go, wait, did Charlie just say we should use baby manure? Let's just check that again. And then we go back and we play that bit. That's really what people are looking for on YouTube, right? That upfront, in-your-face, personality style narrative where you're taking them on a whole experience, which is very different to what we're doing on a podcast like this, which I'd say is a more seamless flow of education. Even though it may not seem it from the surface, has some structure to it we are working our way through, which is good protocol to get to the punchline. So far, I think we've set this up nicely. We should put some thought into how we want to highlight the content we're going to use. We could add some trimming, so to speak, embellish, illustrate, call out, sound effects. These things seem to go well with YouTube and we can refer to YouTube experts for that. But that's not what we're hearing in the podcast typically. Although some of the very good podcasts do have sound effects and segments and et cetera. Like one of the classic scenarios of repurposing I can think of is a lot of the FM radio stations have podcasts and they're just simulcasting exactly what they talk about on air on the podcast platform. So that's a case of cut and paste where they are doing a more embellished version of just a conversation. Completely. And this is where I'll just mention a few little add-ons here, which I think can really add to the experience of people. What I really like, someone, we've got a client who's in the sales niche, they're a sales education company. What I really like about what they do is they'll often do a YouTube video on a topic, and then they'll also do a podcast interview on that topic and actually leverage them into each other at the same time. So for those of you with ample time to make content and have the resources, this is where you can almost do a piggyback. You can do a 10-minute tutorial on, I don't know, handling objections, and then you can do an hour-long interview with someone going through examples and breaking down call reviews and really create a substantially body of work on a topic so people really do know, like, and trust you around these issues. So there's some phenomenal ways to play these into each other as well. You could do a backroom session available only for subscribers where we go deeper with Charlie on his special rose petal ingredient and how to make papuri from your garden roses, you know, in three different varieties guaranteed to win over any parent-in-law or whatever. You know, can add that extra cheat sheet or membership subscription, a tollway. Lots of creators now are wanting to get paid for their content. 
So you could basically have the front stuff, the back end stuff, and then you can package it all together. And I think we talked about this before in a previous episode, but after you hang up from a podcast, that's a good time to do a solo promotion of it or a summary of it that you could use in your socials to draw people to your podcast. Absolutely. I love that as a strategy as well. For some reason, if I record an intro or try and do a recap the next day, it just never has the excitement. Where if I finish an interview right away and everything's fresh in my mind, it's like it comes across in such a more charismatic way and excited way. And I think that is the opportune time to capture lightning in a bottle and make sure that you make the most of your interview experience. Yeah, it's like this fine line between freshly baked bread or the loaf you pull out of the freezer and stick in the toaster. (laughs) When you know it comes to how much you want to pre-cook your podcast, like if you build up a long bank, you would forget everything about the podcast by the time it goes live. It's very hard to promote it you know, with any sort of semblance of freshness. And if you have a shallow bank, you're on the topic, your stuff is very timely and relevant to the market. However, there's a little more pressure and stress with the content factory. And I'm sure as an agency, a media agency, one of your constant challenges would be extracting media from clients who need to be trained better. Definitely. Uh, You are striking a nerve there. (laughs) Well, much to like what you said earlier in this podcast is that often we find with the people we work with, they have this curse of knowledge. They don't realize how many things they know when they're trying to bring it to the surface. It often requires some provoking or prodding to really have that understand. One of the things I highly recommend for creators, though, if you're someone out there making videos right now is Q&A. Getting questions from your audience and then answering them well, I think is one of the greatest places to start and one of the best opportunities for making good content because these aren't things you would necessarily think of yourself. And this is where I would say, I think one of the downfalls of YouTube is when you're sitting there trying to come up with the questions yourself and trying to script it and trying to come it all out and it's just you face to camera, it's you miss that opportunity for that engagement and conversation, which often can unveil really good points that maybe wouldn't get discussed otherwise, where podcasting wins that battle because someone's going to ask the question or the deeper topic. So you get to really unpack things very, very differently in these fields as well, side by side. You know, some of my best content comes from my Q&A calls where we capture the questions from a real live breathing paying customer. It has to be relevant for other paying customers or prospects who should be a customer. And so those little micro pieces of content are good. Also, I think what you just described explains why people who do live streaming on a regular basis are going to be relevant for their audience. And that's a good supplement if you're up for it. And I've often said, I'm not really up for it. I don't like doing those live streams. And I have a pretty good scenario at the moment where I'm probably spending one hour a week creating content that drives my seven-figure business. And I think that's because of the high leverage that I have in terms of production. All I have to do is capture the original source stuff in a reasonably proficient manner and give that to my team. And then the rest happens. So I'm very lucky with that, but that's why I put it out there. If you're watching this or listening to this and you've got some inspiration for a couple of YouTube videos, I'm going to give it a crack so that we've got something we can come back and talk about what happened with Charlie. But I'm definitely in the podcasting camp at the moment in terms of where the results are coming from and where my investment is. If you're starting out today, Charlie, would you do one or the other or try and tackle both at the same time? Yeah, that's a really good question. I often think about like progressively how someone can approach this. So if you're someone that's never made content before, it really doesn't make any sense to me for you to start doing short videos, doing YouTube, doing podcasting. I think that's a like guaranteed way to fail, become overwhelmed and lose the enthusiasm. 
In many cases, it's just not realistic if you run a business as well. You mainly have time for one. So I think for the absolute beginners, if you're someone with no list, no social following, and you've only got a little bit of time and maybe you only have an iPhone, those short videos and creating capture points like that and publishing them on social, I think is a great starting point. However, at some point, particularly in some niches, you're going to want to create something a bit more high value and probably higher production value. And that's where you'll move into one of either podcasting or YouTube. I think podcasting has some pretty big advantages where I think it's easier to podcast than get great at scripting YouTube videos. So as a fundamental point, I think that is the next step. And then once someone has a podcast where they can consistently get into that routine and they're doing video and they're cutting their clips, I feel like YouTube becomes the icing on top. Now, some people will argue against that and say maybe YouTube is the better place and then move into podcasting. But my finding is that for a lot of people, unless you are someone skilled like Brian or willing to spend quite a lot of prep work and preparation and shooting and editing and all those things, for you to meet that quality and really hit the mark and be a good YouTuber is much harder than people think, which is why I think the failure rate is just so high. So I think there's some understandings that come into it where I think podcasting is really that middle one I would encourage people to think about. Right. So short social media videos or live streams are the easy play. Podcasting is next level difficult, but still a great market to be in. And then YouTube is the most difficult, most competitive, but big reward stakes, high stakes game. Completely. And I'll throw in one more point that people often don't think about. And I know this has happened to you, James. It's happened to me. And every client at Valor Media has referenced something similar, is that if you're in podcasting and you have a guest on, often that can lead to other opportunities as well. We're not just judging the moment on the downloads of that episode. I've had episodes where I've had people on and they've signed up as clients, or I've done an affiliate deal or joint venture deal with people. So why, again, I really like that podcasting step for business owners is it's almost like a bit of forced networking or forced relationship building within the business, which can have some huge upsides, which we don't see as much from YouTube. YouTube is something people tend to hide behind a screen behind. It's not necessarily something where it is of a relationship capital nature, although some do, I will mention, but I really think that is a differentiation. Podcast is a huge asset. To be able to invite people on your podcast is a foot in the door with something they're interested in. A vast number of podcast guests have become members of Superfast Business, which is great. It's that sort of secret handshake of podcasters, Charlie. As soon as you stop record and you say, oh, well, how was that? Are you happy if we publish that? And then they go, yeah, great. And by the way, I've got this question. (laughs) And often something you've said in the podcast will pique curiosity or if you're genuinely trying to help people, it might lead into a discussion where business is a part of that mix. It's also a great way to get educated. I'm getting educated on this podcast from Charlie about how we can improve our podcast and improve our YouTube presence Because Charlie's got the data set, he's got the clients, he sees the results, he runs the ads, he's looking at the metrics, he loves taking screenshots of graphs heading up in the right-hand side of the column. And, you know, I'd be crazy not to tap into that. And if you weren't already someone I'm doing business with, Charlie, then we would be. (laughs) So it's great. But, you know, I'm doing something that I believe in passionately, and that is bringing back guests over and over again to go deeper and deeper with more and more layers. And I know my audience want that and like that. Because every time we do this, we're just developing the relationship. And it saves me setting up seven separate podcasts, which is what I used to do in the old days. I had five podcasts at once. 
which is crazy. Now I can have one podcast and have my special guests back over and over and over again. And you always bring your game to it, Charlie. Let's just talk about a couple of uh, typical challenges that you see when people are trying to set up or they seem like they're getting there, but there's just one thing missing. I want to know what are the small hinges that swing the big doors to success with the podcast or the YouTube? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll lean into one that I think is universal. Um, and I would say picking a niche. I really look at it and what's winning in the shows we deal with is the crossover of what market they go after. So as a broad stroke, I wouldn't encourage people to go after just business owners or just the fitness market. I think if you're going to be successful, you have to have the best content for a specific market on the internet. And there's a great book on this, Blue Ocean Strategy, which I believe you've read, James, and know of quite well. I think that's a really good place for people to start and understanding that concept. Now, within each of these individually, I'll dig into some more minute ones that become fascinating to me. One, I think that in podcasting, there is a huge bias towards interviews. And I think there's a huge bias towards also just propping up your guest. So quite often as hosts of podcasts, I see them not contributing to the conversation and necessarily showing people why they're worth listening to. So I think that's a huge problem. And then the other part of that is we'll see commonly a host just try and cram too much into an interview rather than cover one topic well. So they'll just glaze over the surface and they never go into anything more deeply. And it just seems like that's a wasted opportunity for someone to really understand that point. So that's something I'm really huge on at the moment is making sure that that is imperative within a podcast strategy. The second one is for some reason with podcasting, promotion doesn't get treated very seriously. It's something where people just kind of upload and leave it and hope that that's going to be something people find, where I am a big believer that you've got to make sure people are aware and know how to get to your podcast. In the YouTube side of things, this is one thing I will give massive credit to YouTubers. They're obsessed with getting people to their stuff. They really are in general as a culture. They treat marketing much more seriously than the podcasters that stand alone from there. Where there, I really notice in some of the circles I hang around in, like obsessed on like what time to post, what keywords, what descriptions, how they're promoting it, where they're getting it. All those types of things become much, much more interesting. So I do like that about YouTube. It seems to be much more focused on getting people to your video and views and things that count there. What I would say in YouTube commonly I see is that people will just not be consistent. So podcasting kind of forces people to be like, you know, it comes out weekly. That is the nature of what it is, where I think that principle really applies to YouTube as well. You've got to be consistent if you want to have success there. And I think that is a hugely important part. Downfalls on YouTube is often that people are just doing a lot of it themselves and it takes a lot of uh, their time that they don't realize. The editing that goes into a 10 minute clip, if the camera moves every six seconds or there's a scene change or something like that, you can only imagine how many edits there are per minute. So I've got a fascinating one for you is that we are at Vela Media, we had to do one 10 minute YouTube video and we had a two hour podcast to edit as well. And the 10 minute YouTube video took dramatically longer with all the visuals. I couldn't believe it when I saw that from the team is just how much editing works. So if you're someone doing that yourself, I think that's taking up substantially the amount of your week. So you really got to forecast that to be able to do that well. But that would be some key ones I think about. That's the one thing that stopped me being a YouTuber is the amount of time and energy and talent required. You know, it seems it's the time, the time thing I'd be conscious of. I know it would take time to do a good job, but I would be keen to make some more face to camera videos. And I'd like to address topics that have come from my audience. I want to serve them with things that are interesting as a foundation. We haven't done anything significant with our YouTube channel in 10 years. We've only got a few thousand subscribers. It's not been our focus, but I think YouTube, especially in the changing environment where platforms like Facebook are becoming less popular, I don't mean that in a statistical sense. I mean that just in the favor of the people. I think they're getting a bit pissed off. 
or sick of or fatiguing on Facebook, as I did about five years ago, <laughs> I think the rest of the people are catching up now. YouTube is just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. So it's definitely worth paying attention to. Charlie, I feel like we've covered this topic fairly well. What have I neglected to ask you that you really wish I would have that would have been an amazing question had I asked it? Yeah, well, the one I would just factor into this as well is like, while we've both covered in this conversation that YouTube is more time intensive, I think what is an interesting thing to consider that really leads on to your point you just made is rewards, is like, you know, time versus reward is the ultimate equation here. The thing that I would encourage people to think of, and I almost want to date this one, it's 23rd of June, we're recording this on right now. The thing I'm finding the most interesting is just the sheer volume that's on YouTube right now. I really would encourage people to think about whether they're going in from a podcasting and doing a video podcast perspective, or whether it's straight YouTube perspective, is just how hungry that market is for content right now. The volume of traffic and people searching for things is almost unrivaled at the moment. It's ridiculous in the world of media. So I think that's an exciting thing for either path. So both can be dramatically worth it. Just be very aware of what you're getting into. Yeah, I have no doubt YouTube is worthwhile. It just, you got to take it seriously. Definitely. It's like the, you know, should you start a YouTube channel discussion I more or less had with Brian Johnson. You've really got to go hard with it. And I was speaking to someone I coached this morning. He's just crossed 50,000 subscribers with his new YouTube channel and he's got the formula. He knows how to make it work. He was talking me through the next video he's about to make and we were workshopping it. But you better believe it's got a very specific narrative. It's targeted with a very intentional outcome to a specific audience for them to do a very specific thing that will drive the channel insane. So more thought, more planning, more narrative, more production, more effort, more time, more money. If it's beyond you individually, get help from Charlie at valamedia.com. If you've got a podcast and you want help or you want an audit, have a chat to Charlie. I just sort of an idea, Charlie, this is sort of on the fly. I haven't talked to you about this before, but maybe, maybe, and I'm being a bit vulnerable here, we should look at recording an episode where you talk me through an audit of my own podcast and come up with some areas where we could improve or some suggestions that you observe if you're down for it. It might be illustrative of what you do in your audit. I get such good feedback from it. I'm constantly referring people across to like, if you're just not sure where you're at, get someone else to get eyes on and give you an opinion. So anyway, just throwing that out there as a potential future episode. I would love that. I'm at the point in my life now where I, I could probably handle improvement suggestions. <laughs> I will mention this. Someone else actually attempted to do that previously and it didn't go published. They didn't like the findings. They were a bit uh, unwilling to publish it. But uh, I feel like you might be uh, more grounded and uh, appreciative of finding these little areas, but I am definitely up from that. But it may go unpublished. We we'll have to let the people know. The findings may never come out. <laughs> That's it. Well, the great mystery. For now, though, this episode is 838. We'll pop it up there at superfastbusiness.com and in every platform where Charlie told me I should put it natively. And we'll, of course, transcribe it and we'll put together the highlights there on the episode page. If you want to refer someone to this, if you thought there was something useful, go for it. If you want to leave a review, I'm always open to those. We do get the occasional one and I do read them and I appreciate it very much. For now though, Charlie, I just want to say thank you for coming back and delivering the goods. I'll have to say, I think I learned a lot more on this episode than some of the other episodes I've recorded in a while. So it was particularly useful for me and my team because, you know, we're most definitely in the podcasting space. And I think when I was describing to someone earlier today on another call, what my formula for business has been, it's really been pairing a podcast with a membership. 
And they're both things you do on an ongoing basis with a minimal effort, with a massive leveraged output. It's totally worthwhile if you get it right, both of those things. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you in a future episode and we'll see about that audit. Thanks for having me, James. Thanks, Charlie. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.